Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, where you come to hear two people talk about the world's greatest music and make it so you can't think of that music anymore without thinking about something queer, probably involving dicks. I just realised that does make us the metal version of that guy who can't help but draw cock and balls every time you give him a pen and paper. <laughs> Fuck the fucking school days, that it. Cocks everywhere. <laughs> You say school days, that happens on QI. Like Alan Davis is famous for just drawing cocks and balls on QI whenever they give them pens and paper. Alright, well, fair enough. They even made a joke of it once. They, they had uh, a question where they said, draw this, um, and the, the, uh, the right answer was a cock and balls. And he, he didn't do it. And, they, and uh, they, that was because Sue Perkins made him do it at the start of the show, so he got it out of his system. <laughs> uh, enough about that. Uh, because this is Hellbent for Notfest, the partnership heavy metal podcast in LGBT plus with metal. Don't mention the war. I quite liked how I, last week Abby picked up on that as well, and he was just waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I'm, that is just going to be the uh, the forty tower sign of of Hellbent for Metal for now. <laughs> uh, a running gag. Um, at least I have a cunning plan uh, for how we can play with it. Other than that, as well, if that gets a bit boring, uh, we are actually. If I don't, if I can say this without screwing it up, Hellbent for Metal, the LGBT plus heavy metal podcast, in partnership with Notfest. I got it right. First I did time it. for everything. Yeah, well, it's first time in about a month. Anyway, I've managed to say that without cocking it up uh, deliberately or, or otherwise. Uh, I am Tom Dare, by the way. Hello. Uh, and with me is someone who actually expects to be on the show this week. It wasn't a surprise to him a couple of days ago, uh, which is good because he's simply fabulous. And it's just not the same without him. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because he doesn't try to talk, to get me to talk about Deftones all the time. M- welcome back, Matthew Rushton. Thanks. I mean, I can try and get you to talk about Deftones all the time. It's I fine. Was, like, you don't have well to. Well, happy with that. <laughs> yeah. I, saw, I saw Robbie's pitch, like in the episode description before I listened to it in quicksand. I was like... How has he managed to get you to listen to Quicksand? <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I think the uh, what I might bring on has been sort of the boundaries have been expanded now. So, watch out. Well, you've got to remember that before I was a metal kid, I was a hardcore kid, right? Because yeah. I grew up in the in the era of new metal. So, like my the thing that I got really into was not heavy metal. I liked some of it, but I hadn't really discovered the right stuff yet. So, what I was really into was punk rock and hardcore. So saying, do you want to listen to this hard, this you know New York hardcore band who've kind of got it alt metal mixed in? Yeah, right, that's fine. And they've also got a load of soft songs. So that was quite easy. If he'd actually done the elevator pitch of they sound like Deftones, that would have been a, <laughs> have you got anything else? <laughs> Please, for me. Anyway, before we begin, uh, we've just got a couple of things that we'd like to tell you about. First up is the Mystical Camp Classic Special on Watershed by Opeth is finally up because we've had a week without any disasters with for the first time in literally a month. Uh, the final special is well good, by the way. We talk a load about the record itself and why it rules. And then we explain why it works as a concept record about very particular passage of time in the life of a common but not exactly typical queer life. Details are all on our social media, or you can go to notfest.com slash hell-bent. This is exclusive to Notfest Premium members, but by joining that and checking it out, you are actually supporting the pod itself, so please consider giving that a try. Secondly, and this is really exciting, we are doing a live event. Yes, really. Those are things that happen now. We can do that here in 
in the UK. Uh, we are partnering with Shout Festival, which is a queer arts and culture festival in Birmingham in the West Midlands here in England. Uh, and the Home of Metal is also in this partnership. They are the organisation that celebrates heavy metal and its birthplace, which is obviously Birmingham. Uh, the event is called Stories from the Home of Metal, where I will not be doing that accent. Uh, and broadly, it's an event where queer metalhead experiences and views on metal culture will be discussed. Uh, we'll, we will be recording an episode as part of it, so you'll get to hear me fuck that intro up in person. Uh, and also fuck up my links and my jokes. You can see them all happen live. Uh, that's going to be on Sunday, November the 14th at Subside Bar in Birmingham. Tickets are a fiver uh, and are available from homeofmetal.com. Uh, links are on all our socials as well, of course. So come to Brum and have some fun. Uh, and that joke right there is why I didn't go into marketing or PR. <laughs> right, on with this week's show. I know I said we were going to have an In My Kingdom queer this week, but actually we've got way too much to get through if we try and fit it in. This show will be 17,000 hours long. And so we walk with the confidence of, a, of men who don't need your validation because they're uh, throck curs into the uh, Hatred Gay Bar. Uh, I've just realised that link could be very confusing for anyone who skipped last week's episode, but fuck it. Uh, Mac, what cocktail says, I'm fabulous and I don't care what you think. I'd say a daiquiri. A daiquiri is like my all-time favorite cocktail, and it's also like one of the simplest. Um, and because of that, like a lot of like other hospitality stuff get really snobby about it. It's like, oh, only that. It's like, well, no, fuck you. This is what I like, and I'm gonna have it. And it's a classic for a reason. Remind me what a daiquiri is, because I've had them and gone, oh, this is nice, and then always forgotten what's in it. Literally just rum, lime, and sugar syrup. Amazing. I'm on board with all of those things. White rum, presumably. Mainly, I mean, you obviously make them with different stuff as well, but uh, yeah, it's quite quite like a golden daiquiri, but just anything in it. That'd be not, I'm just, I was thinking that dark rum might be a bit sweet, because I'm sweet enough. Um, that's a total lie. Uh, lovely, well, <laughs> we'll have three of them then. One for me, one for you, and one for my fiancé. Speaking of threes of something, uh, normally we have one pick each here, and maybe a third if we want to put the same thing in the jukebox, and we don't want to have a fight we just agree but as matt didn't actually get to do the record he had lined up for last week he gets two picks for himself this week what is the first of your picks mate um it is the new record from four strike baron called classics um we got into four strike baron actually only last year with their record from last year which i don't really know what it was um they called it an EP, but it was 41 minutes long. We had this conversation off air just before the show. And they also called it a split, but it was not a split because it was only them on it. Um, I think what they meant by that was half of it was like their original songs and then like half of the songs were covers. Anyway, it was mental. That to me sounds like an EP with a covers EP attached. Yeah. Or is that just so, me? Uh, but, well, I don't know. Whatever. Don't care. Anyway, I liked it. It was good. Uh, and it was mad. And... Believe it or not, this album is also fucking mad. Um, oh, it's bonkers. It's yeah. completely mental. <laughs> yeah, you know you're in for a really weird time with this one, like, straight from the off as well, because uh, there's just loads of yes. weird noises going on, and then it goes into sort of, like, a track that you could sort of see being played in a club, and I don't mean a rock club, like, it's like electro sort of type stuff, so like an actual normal people club. Um, and then that melody turns into a fucking riff with, like, massive heft, loads of jazzy piano all over the place and then that's you know a massive soaring sort of proggy type solo this is all in the first few minutes of the record and 
I mean, that, is it an intro piece? Like, is it a seven and a half minute intro piece? Sort of, isn't it? I mean, it almost could work as that. I mean, we should say that there is there is kind of a style to the album. It sounds like mm. we're just kind of describing something where if it's just a load of stuff that's been thrown at the wall and there's no coherence to it. It's not. It's very clear. You know, there is quite quickly established a four-stroke barren sound to yeah. it, I think, um, which is basically weird, wacky prog metal meets the Human League. Imagine yeah. if the Human League were, rather than being this kind of really poppy band, were actually interested in making weird avant-garde stuff, but kept all the the sounds the same. They just kind of made things jazzier and bonkers. Is that fair, or am I oversimplifying yeah, that horribly? No, no, completely. It, it sort of, yeah, I get that, because it doesn't, like, a lot of the parts to me, it doesn't feel like it is a metal album. And I think a lot of that is the vocals as well. Uh, yeah. I, someone mentioned the other day Robert Smith, and I can't not hear that now. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but then you pay attention to the riffs and like the tones and everything. And it is fucking gnarly in parts. Yeah, it's metal. It's just the yeah. vocals make help you kind of <laughs> forget that. Yeah, um, like I knew I loved this from first listen. Like I said, the weirdness didn't surprise me. However, I sort of I never thought I'd get to the point where a lot of this gets so stuck in my head and feels so catchy. Uh, like there are parts of this just there constantly. Like they, the band play in like the wrong key sometimes, but they somehow still make you love it. <laughs> like it's mad. Yeah, it it is totally bonkers. Um, which is partially why I've had a slightly difficult time with this. I don't think I really get it. I don't think it's bad because if you said, "What do you think of that riff?" Yeah, it's really good. What do you think of those vocals? Yeah, they're really good. What do you think of them together? It's really weird, and it's. Yep. There's something that it's clearly doing for you and that it's clearly doing for other people, which just hasn't quite clicked for me. But I definitely don't think there's anything kind of less than good about it when I put my kind of objective, or not objective, I put my kind of, just think about it kind of calmly and soberly. It's my my issue with it is kind of that I'm missing out. It's no more simple, more complicated than that. It's, it's bonkers though. What is it for you that, really makes you go, I'm having a great time, or this is making me feel some things that mm. are are that I'm enjoying and I'm kind of the wackiness is is doing this for me. Yeah, you know what I really wish I could tell you. Um that was the thing, like I completely get what you're saying because I felt exactly the same with the I'm just gonna call it an album from last year. Um I sort of stuck with it like for a lot of listens where I didn't I wouldn't I would say I wouldn't enjoy it. But I would not enjoy it. It was like keeping me uh, going back because of intrigue, I guess, trying to sort of work out like what the fuck they're doing. And now it's like with that finally clicked, and then this one was more instant. Like I, like I said, I could still tell objectively it's super strange, but I sort of feel like I'd got four strike Baron by this point. So this album sort of like fell into place for me. And I, I like the fact as well. It could be sort of like one big song, like the transitions between each song, like this, some of the segues are really cool. I think it's between Kara to Prostitute Part 2 to 13 Steps to something. I should have written that down. Stockton. Um, thank you. It's just um, down the road from me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Is well... About I'm... 13 Steps, would you say? Uh, oh, very funny. Uh... <laughs> Interestingly, one of the first, I think it was the first commercial railway in the world was between Stockton and Darlington. There's a random piece of information. Hauling coal, I think. 
Random Ooh. Shinfo with Velvet <laughs> Metal. Um, I presume it's Stockton somewhere else because I don't think they're from the Northeast, are they? They are not, no. No, I didn't think so. Very American. <laughs> yes, I thought so. Um, but I, before I before I made a twat of myself because I hadn't written that down because I hadn't noticed the Stockton reference, um, I thought I'd check. It, it's interesting that I'm that you say you don't really know why you're enjoying it. You just are because that's kind of I think the only sensible option. Yeah. Because if you'd said, "Well, it's really catchy," well, it's kind it's melodic. It's the, the vocals are all melodic basically. But I wouldn't say it's catchy. Mm, yeah, no, I get that. And the riffs are there's groove there because then there's kind of jazz to it. But it's not groove metal. It's not there where you can kind yeah. of ba- bang your head to it. So it's not got that element. Like the sort of atonality and the weird cadences all over yeah. the place. I, yeah, I'm very aware. Like I like a lot of different parts of it, but it shouldn't work together. But for me, it sort of is doing. Yeah, I mean it's. It's very Roadburn type record, right? Like it's one of those things that it ju- it doesn't fit into anything. It's just kind of really arty and avant garde, and some people are going to think this, think, oh my god, this is the fucking best thing ever, and a load of other people are just going to stand there and say, oh, what? I don't get it, and go outside <laughs> and get a drink on the strip. Yeah, it's that kind of music where I totally see that you, that there are going to be people, and you're clearly one of them, who are just going, oh my god, this is wonderful. And I'm just kind of missing out the fun. It's but it yeah. is it. There's something about it which is very distinct. Really, kind of them. Yeah, for sure. And I am not interested to see how two people are going to pull this off live with all the fucking mental effects and shit going on. But I think that could be quite interesting as well. Lots to, of laughs. Sort of well, yeah. Like to see if you saw them live. Like if it would potentially sort of make any more sense. Probably not. Probably even less. But <laughs> probably even less. I mean, they certainly. Uh, uh, wow. I say less sense. I'm not sure you can get less than nothing in this. <laughs> it's like absolute zero. It's not like there is plus. There is a minus. Um, well, I'm sorry I haven't been able to join in quite as much as as you're enjoying it, but um, I really don't dislike it. I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying, "Oh, this is shit," because it really isn't. It's just a very specific thing, uh, which I'm missing out on. Classics by Four Stroke Baron, though, has been added to the jukebox. Uh, my pick this week is a band I bloody love, who, as far as I'm concerned, seem to be in the form of their life, which, considering they did a modern classic when their frontman was 19, is bloody impressive. Their last album was fucking excellent, and I don't think their new one drops off at all. It's riffy, it's shreddy, it's got massive hooks, it's loads of fun, and it's metal as fuck, and I'm putting in the jukebox. It is In the Court of the Dragon by Trivium, and I bloody love it. And I'm worried you don't, Matt. Uh, this might be like the hardest um, album that I've had to talk about on this pod. Uh, Trivium are one of my favourite bands like of all time, and also one of the bands like solely responsible for getting me into metal in the first place. Shogun is my personal favourite maybe joint favourite, metal album of the 21st century. And like you said, they are in fucking scintillating form. I think the last two records uh, before this, like, uh, the Sin the Sentence and What Demons Say are both, like, yeah, nine pushing ten out of tens. Um, the lead single dropped from this, and I thought, you know, if the rest of the record is this good, it might finally be the one to sort of, like, get them to download headlining status. For me, it is falling a little bit flat. There's elements of it that are fucking great but i just i don't really think it has a consistency of the last couple i think there's a couple of songs which are a little weak we're gonna have to touch on it because 
the one honesty and two because you brought it up. Um, this for me is basically a classic Maiden record done in the style of Trivium, right? It has a sensible running time, like the classic Maiden records. The song lengths are quite varied. It goes from just under four minutes to just under eight. But none of the song lengths take the piss. There is a brilliant epic song at the end. Some of the songs are very good. Some are fucking incredible. And there's one genuine back in the village slash gangland type stinker. And for some reason, they released it as a single. Feast of Fire. Sorry, Matt, if you're listening, but you're probably not. Feast of Fire is not one of their best songs at all. In fact, it's, for me, one of their weaker songs. And that being a single, I found very odd. I will say that other than that, though, I don't think there are any genuinely weak songs. I think there are a couple of songs where if they play them live, I'll probably enjoy them, even if I'm not kind of sticking them in a playlist. But I think there are really, really, really big set of songs. Am I being unfair in saying the Feast of Fire is kind of is the Feast of Fire? Just Feast of Fire. There's no. Doubt. Am I being unfair in comparing that to Gangland because that's kind of notorious? Well, I I wouldn't have said so a few weeks ago because when they dropped that as a single, I thought it was shit. Um, I've actually got to quite like that song now. Oh, so what don't you like? What don't I like? Um. I've actually written that. I don't like Fallen Johans. I think that is quite a bad song. Oh, um, that's one of my favourites. Ah, oh, that explains it. If you like, if you don't like that one, and I do, that's kind of saying what the difference is of how we view it quite a lot. Hmm. This like, there's a couple of songs. I think like like a sort of Damocles and a Crisis of Revelation. That it's not like I don't like them. It sort of just feels like stuff I've heard from Trivium before, and I'm not sure if it's like. A specific song that they remind me of probably more just like an amalgamation of different parts and different eras and you know they are like 10 albums in now so it's gonna happen yeah but i don't know i feel for me this is like the first album where trivium have sort of repeated themselves a little bit um like there's albums really? before that i've not really liked but they've sort of been doing something different and i'm not sure for me this one feels like it is they're certainly not like massively pushing their own boundaries with one exception the virtuosity has gone up again with they haven't been showing off quite so much recently. Like they've been doing much more kind of just play the song, just play the song, do the song, and go out. Like there is, you mentioned uh, a crisis of revelation. There is one bit in the middle where Paolo has clearly, Paolo's Greg Letto, bass player, people who don't like driven, um, he's clearly just decided to go full Steve Vai, right? Like there's a Steve Vai song, I think it's called Juice, where it is just him like absolutely showing the fuck off. And then at the end, someone someone shouts, "Shut up! We know you can play." Jesus! <laughs> and like, there's a bit in the middle where Paolo just really goes off on one with kind of up and down the the fretboard, uh, whittling. And I go, "Yeah, that's kind of the, we we get it. We get it. You're very, very, very good at the bass." Like that bit, I find really fun because it is done in a fun way, and there is an awful lot of like, if you like shred, there is an awful lot of what could be termed shred, but actually. It's not really just f- fast, 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 fast playing because a lot of it's comparatively slow. It's character playing more time. Where they go fast, it's because the energy of the song needs a fast solo. But the 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 virtuosity, I think, is really impressive, even compared to a band who've been fucking excellent at their instruments since they were kids. Right? For me, what really makes the album is the second half. Because the first half kind of sets up the second. And the first half kind of has the has more of the song songs, right? Where it is just, here is 
some really good Trivium songs. And the second half, they go, let's play a little bit more. Let's kind of vary the styles a bit more. Let's do the slow song and the emotional song. And let's do the the song where there really is a ridiculous amount of shred. Uh, let's do the epic closer again, which um, the last song, the Phalanx, is proper snarling, stomping, crunching, make you want to put your arms out to the side and then punch some stuff. Stuff that they did on Shogun, like that, uh, the comparison between the closing songs I really heard immediately. And also, Matt Heafy's snarl singing is an underrated thing, right? Everyone kind of took the piss out of him at one stage for, for saying he was kind of doing Hetfield karaoke. Part of the reason that I really, really fell in love with Trivium in the first place was because I really love love that kind of snarling slash singing style that he does brilliantly, and that I loved when Metallica did it, and I'm really annoyed that more heavy metal bands don't do it, because it immediately allows you to be both catchy and really tough, right? So not power metal warbling, and you're not doing extreme vocals with no hooks, right? Immediately, you've got something there, and I what he does in the phalanx is fucking brilliant. Um, sorry, I've gone off on one majorly there though. It, it, <laughs> it, how are you getting to the second half and kind of feeling like you've had not as good a time as you'd like in the first and kind of lost interest, or are you actually doing all right until the second half and then that's where you kind of go, hmm, I might have heard this before? Uh, no, not really. It's not really half and half. It's just sort of bits throughout, I guess. Um, like there, there are songs, for instance, like um, the Shadow of the Avatar. I think is. Probably my favourite song on the record. Well, no, the title track is, but other than that, um, that Shadow of the Abattoir is very good, though. Yeah, that's great, and that has like I think more variety. Like we we're saying, that's got the sort of soft verses with like the strings behind, which are really nice touch. Yeah, um, acoustic Done by guitars, Ishan. all that sort of stuff. Oh, really? Ishan's responsible for them. Yeah, yeah no, I did. I did hear he was involved on this record a bit. Yeah, and how that sort of, but like the chorus on that is great, and that that melody is sort of because it comes in on guitar in the intro and it's like stuck in your head like constantly. And then that how it builds sort of towards the last chorus, like the build on that song is great, and then it just explodes. And you know when Matt goes like super high um, into a sort of higher register, and like that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and the phalanx as well is wicked. The bridge just breakdown thing where it goes like almost like deathy, which yeah, is really cool. It's like uh, there's some of that on was it just dismantled on in waves? So it's nice to see them sort of doing that again because that's like not something they do like yeah and in waves was a long time ago <laughs> yeah yeah 10 years ago now. yeah but i don't know like because I, I, I sort of feel like i'm coming across as more harsh on this album than, than i want to um because it's good and like you can't deny this like the songs are in my head like all the fucking time it's catchy as fuck but i think it is just because i feel like there are parts of that that i've heard before and i'm like even when the, what the dead men say uh just it felt like really fresh yeah and this for me feels less so but it feels like i'm in like the minority massively so whatever <laughs> i mean it's, there's good opinions of opinions so people are gonna vary in what they're saying even if a load of people like me are shouting saying it's great i think one thing that's always interesting with things like this is you what you've listened to before influences things heavily and because i'm just i'm that little bit older and because i've kind of I've had time to get bored of bands and then come back (laughs) so that there's bands who I've heard do the same thing over and over again and gone, oh, I'm kind of done with it. And then they've carried on doing the same thing over and over again, but they've got even better at it. And I've kind of come back and just got, no, I just fucking love it. Like Vader. Vader have basically been making Slayer records for about 15 years now, and I'm fine with that. Just keep doing it. 
keep keep giving keep giving me really fucking excellent like Deathy Slayer records, and I will be quite happy with that because I went through the period where I went, oh, maybe I'm kind of done with that, and then came back again. So maybe it's just that I've kind of I'm fine if Trivium just keep being Trivium and don't push their own boundaries too much, and just kind of because for me, what I hear is better songwriting i think how many songs of this do i like compared to what they were doing five ten years ago and there was definitely a period up kind of between ascendancy and um the sin in the sentence where the quality varied quite a bit and that they would have albums which were very good in waves being the classic example and they would have albums which were not so good um we both know which two we're talking about um, Silence in the Snow, I think, is 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 fine, but um, it's Vengeance Falls that, that I think needs to I was be skipped. I'm very worried that you were going to say the Crusade. <laughs> no, I'm that. fine with the Crusade. Interestingly, hasn't held up as uh, held up to age very well. I don't think, but actually, at the time, I really enjoyed it. And maybe it's just I caned it very hard, but or oh, maybe it's just a production thing. But I kind of feel that the Crusade's big problem is that Trivium have just done better since. Um, not that it's a bad record. Vengeance Falls, I think, was a mistake. Um, but even within the kind of good records, there's kind of varying qualities of songs because everyone forgets they were really young. And young bands yeah. are going to make mistakes and they are going to write songs which aren't quite so good. Now, I find that the, as Trivium have gone on, every, the albums are more reliably packed with good songs they're going to have a misstep here and there, but I just, the number of songs that I hear on this, that I think this is fucking great. Um, so the Phalanx is the song at the end, the title track at the start is fucking brilliant. Uh, Fall Into Your Hands, where it suddenly goes like hammer, it's been quite melodic, and then it goes hammer down, and it's like full broiling thrash, love that. No Way Back Just Through is, it could, sounds like the catchiest stuff on what the Dead Men Say, it was great. Uh, and Dawn to Decadence just sounds massive. I I think it's just fucking great. Well, I hope I hope their trajectory does continue in terms of like how they get massive because I'd fucking love to see them at like download one day. A download headline the trivium sounds nice, doesn't it? Because they've certain, yeah. they've they've they fucking earned it at this point. They have earned their stripes and they have got enough songs to do it. But obviously, it's, what really counts isn't that at all. It's how many tickets you can sell. Mm. Um, well, whether or not um, Matt's going to throw down as much as I will when songs from it get played live, at, when they finally do headline download, um, In the Court of the Dragon by Trivium has been entered into the jukebox. Matt, what complete filth have you got to round off our new items <laughs> from this week? It's the new album from uh, Scottish-American fucking madman, uh, Frontier, um, their new album Oxidized. I bloody loved their, I think it was 2018 album, Unloved, because of how much it sort of stuck with me and made, made me like feel things even though on paper it should not be an album to do that this is the same it is just an absolute fucking assault on all your senses for like 50 minutes mostly it is though yeah it, well, it doesn't yeah. smell bad <laughs> oh, all right fair um it just it lets up for like a cumulative maybe 40 seconds throughout the whole fucking thing for you know to give you some melody but or less yeah, I still find myself being like actually moved by this, and it just keeps me wanting to go back. And still, so many listens in at this point, I am still hearing a lot of new things each time, and it's all making more sense as well. Because like the first few times, as I was expecting, I was just like, "What the fuck is going on?" And now I sort of I know what's coming, and I can like 
there there are parts in different songs that I like stick with and that I look forward to. And I think it's fucking great. When you say assault on the senses, we're basically talking kind of re- someone's like turned industrial metal up to its most foul endpoint, right? That's basically where kind of mixing a bunch of really horrible sludgy hardcore um, and it's basically like someone has kind of evolved god flesh through code orange effectively yeah 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 there's a lot of um you know we, i was talking to the band a couple of weeks ago and they, they said how someone described them once but i don't know if it's safe for work <laughs> but it was a great summation of it say it anyway we're not safe for work i've sworn loads I think it was like like if Tony Danza uh, fucked Dillinger up the arse with car bomb wanking in the corner. <laughs> Is that pretty good? Analysis you only hear on Hellbent for Metal, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, I mean that sounds fair to me, frankly. They, I mean, this is. You know how when you had Noll on, I said yeah. that might be too foul for me. Well, if that's too foul for me, this is way too far. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating when I said I've tried to listen to this five times. I've not reached the end yet. Wow. Okay. It's it's horrible, right? Yeah. Which And the fact it's too much for me, they will probably be quite pleased by it, I suspect. Because sure you, get, you get the impression that actually that's quite what they quite like to do, is to take people who think they like horrible music and out-horrible them. <laughs> It is relentless is is the right word for it because there is no let up at all. The code orange in comparison sound like fucking baby metal, right? Like in terms both in terms of how hook filled it is and how much space they give you to recover. It's and how light it is for that matter. It's really horrible. That for me is just a bit too much. Not because I think it's shite at all. Because what they're doing is clearly really good. It isn't enjoyable though, and it you've got to enjoy the horribleness yeah. it makes you feel. Yeah, no, Otherwise, completely. it is just horrible. And I don't kind of the same way that I've never been able to get on with thou and the body and people like that, just because I go, this is minging and not in a yeah. fun way. Yeah, I, I do get that because I'm like that with like bands like the body and shit as well. Um, and this like obviously it's mathy, I guess in parts as well, and that usually does not do anything for me. These the frontier are the sort of exception to this because um, I yeah I. It is fucking horrible, but I still love it. Um, I still like, like I said, I'm sort of divulging different parts of it now and everything. Um, there's like in corrosive wash, there's like a two-step part, which comes from nowhere, and it's followed by like fucking lasers, like noises that carbon make or something like that. And it is a challenge, I think, to get through. But I enjoy that element of it as well because I feel like it's really rewarding at the end. And I mean the structures. Are so fucking weird if they are existence existent at all but i don't know sometimes like some of the parts of each song just gel with me like loads there's a part in death uh which is like like you said it's an industrial sort of thing but there's a part with a beat that you can like really dance to and that's not something that you would expect to hear in an album like this but i think it really works a, a dance i think might be overselling <laughs> it slightly well, yeah, maybe <laughs> Move, yeah, sure. Move <laughs> is fine. I I can't imagine that you can actually like throw shapes to it. Yeah, it's I not. Mean, it's no, not okay. exactly the prodigy, mate. <laughs> but I think it's great because the vocals as well. I've got to touch on the vocals. They are wicked, um, because they are so aggressive, so continually. But they manage to not sound monotonous, like Stereopticon. I think it's called. For example, it's all in a scream and mostly the same sort of style of scream. But Chad manages to sort of 
bend his voice and sort of create melody within that, which is really hard, I think, for screaming vocalists to do. You don't hear it often, and I always love it when people can pull that off. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the difficulty with the kind of the, the the song aspect is partially that they don't give you enough time to <laughs> to really take in an awful lot of things. So one of the things that uh, Code Orange are really good at doing is partially putting different interludes into the album, also to kind of pause at the start and end of songs a bit sometimes, and also just to give you space between some of the harsher riffs. So if they're doing one of the bits, which is just kind of punch your fucking face in, there's gaps between some of the riffs so that you can just kind of go <gasps> and kind of come up for air. Frontier don't do that quite so much. And I think because their rhythmic patterns are much more kind of, they're much, they're, it's kind of punching and pummeling rather than is necessarily the kind of really rapid fire machine gun burst that you get with, with someone like Code Orange. Um, I'm using them because it's the only real example that I can think of that I like. So I'm, it's, it's a comparison I need. What front and Frontier are just that much more more oppressive and smothering in the way yeah, that the sound kind of bleeds into up. each other. Yeah, they really want to make you feel horrible. They don't really. They're not trying to be a band who are horrible music for people who like horrible music. They're trying to make people who like horrible music question their life choices. <laughs> right, that's what they're trying to do, and they do that extremely effectively. So it is like I'm sorry, we're gonna have to have a ban on this on singles nights, Matt. That's, <laughs> this is this is not music to uh, to meet a partner to, at least not unless you're into some really weird shit. And you know the kind of the kind of thing that even people who are against kink shaming might kink shame. So I think we we might need to say, can we have an ixnay on the uh, Ingles say uh, for for this one as an entry to the hate crew gay bar jukebox? This is uh, completely. And like I've, it's the album that I've most understood why you're putting in yet not shared your opinion. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll tell you that. Like I said, I'm sure they'll be quite happy with that too, to be honest. Yeah. Um, with you saying though, um, that you've not like got to the end of the record. Have you listened to the last song, like on a side? No, I, I. It's too hard work. Like it's, it, it starts to make me feel slightly ill. Yeah. The reason I ask is because the last song, Hope, is like it's a right fucking tease because it's maybe the most brutal start to the song with any of them on the record, but there's actual like full-on melody for the first time on the whole record to like outro the song <laughs> i think it's like really quite clever because they just sort of like how it cuts off as well and they just leave you wanting more but just speak for yourself to wait, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, well it's but uh, matt might well matt is hoping for more so he's going to be putting songs from oxidized by frontier uh on in the hate crew gay bar jukebox where it, it has been entered uh but while we will have more music for you next week uh for now that is time at the hate crew gay bar We finished this week on a camp classic. This, as you probably already know, is where we take a work of metal that spoke to us as queers and explain why. And as promised, we're finally getting to talk about Black Sin's Spit on the Cross by Black Breath from their 2010 album Heavy Breathing. Uh, you just off first, Matthew. Yeah. Black Breath, yay, nay, or yeah. gay? Oh, don't spoil it for me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, yay. And also, but you've ruined it now. We might as well get on with it. definitely gay. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely gay. Um, w- were you like into this stuff when Black Breath happened? Because they happened very suddenly in 2010, having been a band that the UK hadn't heard about at all. Heavy Breathing came along and everyone just went, oh, well, not everyone, but loads of people mm. I knew just went, fuck me. 
you correct me if I'm wrong, but like, was it the right time period? I think I just sort of got on the tail end of it when it started like losing popularity again. It was like these and trap them and all that sort of stuff. Yes, this lot and trap mm. them were firmly there. Uh, all pigs must die. People yeah. like that. The, the, loads of band on Southern Lord Records, right? Right. All these bands who loved HM2 pe- pedals were desperate to get produced <laughs> by Kurt Ballou. Um did, Were you that into the kind of the HM2 Swede F revival in general, other than this? Because Black Breath were fucking great, right? But there was a lot of bands that sounded like them who came along, kind of riding on the coattails. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the the stuff that I caught. Like, it was more I got into that like as a sound, but not I didn't like deep dive into it. Like, there weren't I guess too many specific bands, but that sound whenever it, whenever it came on, I just like yeah, this is fucking tight. I like this because I went this is fucking cool, and then there was a lot of it, and I realised hmm, not all that many bands that I actually listened to yeah. in great depth. Which I think there was an awful lot of production values over songwriting. Which was absolutely not the case with Black Breath, who were fucking great. And this album is, in terms of debut records in the 21st century, one of the best. Moving on to Black Sin's bit on the cross, though. What are you getting from this, if anything, on a queer level? It's well kinky. It's, like, super fucking kinky. Um, So, the whole, like... Death lust type thing and the darkest of sin and the murder lust as well. Well, that's like I feel sort of what you know a lot of like evangelicals sort of say is gonna send us to hell. Oh, the eschatological obsessives, yeah, you know, like sleeping with the same sex and everything. It's like that's the bit that's gonna send you to hell, and it's I sort of feel like pushing back on that really. There's, there's a line uh, releasing death imprisoned inside of the host, and it's like I feel like that's a sort of retaliation. With the whole deathless being yourself, you know, if you're sort of sleeping with the opposite sex, it's like that's when you come in their ass, then that's like the final fucking thing in it. It's like you're fully going, there's no going back now. So, you know, if that's going to send us to hell, then let's fucking go, let's party. And that sort of is where I'm going with this because, it, 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 one, there is loads of talks of kind of lust and sin, although the lyrics are clearly about, you know how those kind of, those it's basically QAnon before QAnon happened. You know how the there are people who are absolutely paranoid about there being satanic cults who sacrifice babies and things like that? Yeah. The lyrics to this are basically imagining that's real, right? And just and saying, yeah, but it's a good thing. It's, death, it's fucking death metal, right? Or, of course, what else are they going to sing about? These things don't really exist, though. But because it's talking about sin, and it spends a lot of time talking about lust and sin and sin and lust, and because I grew up in Northwest Europe, where all the major Christian denominations are obsessed with sex and you know, obsessed with sexuality of various kinds, um, so that, you know, lust is bad. Why? What? Why? Just feeling sexual desire is bad, but everyone does. We we all do. Why is that bad? Don't be daft. Because they they that's the sin that they get their uh, being their mitres about most often. Anytime I see someone doing lots of of kind of lyrics about about sin and lust and sin, of course I'm going to go to sex, and of course I'm immediately going to go to our lot. It's funny we spoke about it the other day, but that um Garth on the special, Oates, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the whole you know fuck me in the ass because I love Jesus and the yeah. point about not if you're gay though. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, those people are obsessed with what Oslot get up to in bed. 
and specifically that act it's like like yeah. said, that's the that's the sort of final nail in the coffin if you like that's like yeah. you, you can't go back then it's like why like that's a fucking weird concept <laughs> it's bizarre in that if you t- if you hear homophobes whose main problem is gay men obviously this doesn't apply to people who are equally ob- obsessed with lesbians but ones who are so uh, obsessed with men who have sex with men the religious bigots always absolutely fixate on anal sex like they are way more interested in anal sex than most gay men are yeah. and it's bizarre I, it, I i don't understand it which is where the argument comes a lot of the time i think for like uh internal sort of homophobia and it's like oh homophobes are gay <laughs> it's like, well as we've said before that's not helpful but sometimes you can sort of see why you think that oh but a load of the homophobic bigots i've heard say it are women who and if you're a gay woman, then you know anal sex is not something that is you know there's pegging, but it's it's not something that's like the main form of sexual activity, right? Yeah. Whereas I've heard people go off on rants that have lasted quite a long time about men having bum sex from women who are being homophobic, and it's it's clear in those cases that they aren't just projecting their own their own lust for gay men or maybe they're just like annoyed that their fucking husband won't shove it up their ass i mean maybe maybe they are just jealous but i think there is something that people find or there is an odd pervert there is an odd kind of view of of anal sex amongst yeah definitely amongst people with a people who seem to, to state these views yeah it's something that i've always been quite interested in as well because yeah they like you said they are quite often like they'll start on a run, and I'll be like, "Do you like obsess over anal more than me? <laughs> like, come on, what? yeah, what's going on here?" Yeah, because I mean, there are gay men who aren't interested in anal at all, right? They that's not an all that uncommon thing. It's yeah. not the majority, but there are there is a you know non-zero percentage of men who are who aren't interested in anal sex of any variety, top bottom verse in any pattern of uh, sexual activity you can mm-hmm. think of for any kind of relationship, they want other things. And that's what they desire. And to those gay men here, because uh, Stephen Fry is one of them and has been quite, and has said that publicly, I'm not kind of leaking his private life. Um, and he, he's had conversations with, you know, homophobic ministers and things who've, who've tried to talk about how he's going to hell because of his in because uh, of his anal sex and he's uh, but i'm not interested in it you're more interested in anal sex than i am <laughs> and i'm gay i'm married to a man you're way more interested in this than i am um i mean yes we did you f- full discussion of what we're talking about with garfunkel oats by the way you can hear in our opeth watershed camp classic special hashtag shameless plug um but there is something i feel is quite metal about same sex sex because, and hear me out, this sounds like I'm going mad. Not because I think that me having sex with my partner is actually anti-Christian or satanic or anything like that, but because there are a load of these dogmatic Christians and other religions, but it's it, the Christian sex that we have interacted with both get really upset by it. And because metal has had rebellion against Christianity in particular, religion in general as well, but especially um, Christianity... Because it's had that so often that when I hear a metal band sing about sin and saying, oh, this is nice, I immediately feel included, <laughs> even yeah. though I'm not that interested. I'm not actually that anti-religious, and I'm certainly not a Satanist. 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be like what, you know, what the sin is per se. It's just, I guess, you know, rebelling against stupid fucking views and like ridiculous stun- stunning on things. Well, quite. But there is, you know, th- because I've heard a load of homophobic ass gravy from these people, right? And when I say these people, I'm specifically talking about the people who actually say it. I'm not saying all Christians are like that because I know that's not true. But I, but when, because I've heard a load of that and it's kind of made me feel unsafe and unwelcome and lots of other horrible things, I'm really tickled by the idea that the that my sex life upsets them as much as if I was, you know, literally spitting sacrificial blood on a cross. Because all the times they've tried to say that me and another consenting adult loving each other is evil or harmful to society in some ways has led me to the point where I quite enjoy blasphemy because I know it annoys those people. Mm. And whether that is satanic death metal or cock sucking. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I mean, you just like look at those people as well and it's like, I don't know, you've got to feel sorry for them in a way because like, surely if you just let us be, your life will be a lot less stressful as well. Yeah. <laughs> Like, honestly, you guys, you don't have to worry about this thing that we're getting up to. It makes everyone involved in life so much fucking simpler. Yeah, I mean, how much... I mean, the Westboro Baptist Church are bizarre for a number of reasons. But you think, <laughs> if they weren't obsessed with what other people are doing and telling other people that they were wrong, surely they'd have much happier lives. Exactly. They just spend all their energy on, like, fucking negativity and, like, just, just go and chill and fucking use a bath bomb and it'll be fine. <laughs> it is the problem with an es- with people who are obsessed with eschatology, obviously, because the moment you start fixating on you know that, then your kind of happiness is kind of irrelevant because it's not going to it's it's transient, and you think you're going on to the next life, and that's your 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 main fixation, and you think it's coming soon because it's coming because the rapture is coming and whatever. But it extends to plenty of people who are much less mental than the Westboro Baptist Church, but do similar things. So there was, there was in the UK a few years ago. We had um, a there was a, a move to introduce proper, inclusive education, basically family education. Really, it was called it was fell under sex education, but it wasn't. There was no actual sex involved. It was just basically introducing the concept of same sex parents to young school aged children. And the the point was basically not because they were trying to make some great statement about um society and progress or anything it was just the reality is that some kids are going to go to play with their friend at their friend's house and they're going to see that they've got two mums or two dads Mm. and it's probably best that we just explain yeah which just to interject at this point is fucking important because i always remember in my primary school like when you you know you used to do uh, show and tell sort of thing yeah and like some of the kids would bring in something and like then they'd talk about like their parents and they'd be like oh i've got two mums or i've got two dads or whatever or the mixture and I didn't know what the fuck was going on, but yeah, it was not talked about more than that. And I think it's like it's obviously really important that that should be, because yeah. you know then people are less likely to grow up to be assholes with stupid views, and those kids who have that feel more sort of accepted and welcome at the time. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely partly to do with that, but it was. It's really also important to say that they weren't just saying there are people with two mums and two dads they're also saying and some people just have mum at home or just have dad yeah, and course. some people have uh have stepmum and stepdad and that's fine 
and that's normal and you know, don't think that that makes anyone weird or strange just it was basically telling kids your situation is fine we're not going to judge you and your friends when they go and play at your house will now understand what what's going on right it was literally that complicated and and some of the religious right lost their mind not just christians i have to say mm. but there was a there was a real move by kind of national bickets to try and organize on one school that included this education uh, to basically p- portray them as demons <laughs> they what they were saying about them was dreadful and like this isn't the westboro baptist church who have this bizarre end times view right it was this fairly disparate group of people who basically have just used religion as an excuse for homophobia and like that to bring it back to black breath those are the people who when i kind of t- kind of take a little bit of pleasure in screaming lyrics like uh, reject christ spit on the cross that's who i'm thinking of because they really fucking fuck you over yeah. like they really fuck with your head and make you feel horrible about yourself so i kind of the idea that sort of stuff like this yeah, I mean, it's, it's childish, maybe, but no. it's just for, for for three minutes, I can kind of take a little bit of pleasure. Yeah, exactly. If they've made you feel like that shit for however long, then just like, yeah. Uh, the three minutes of feel better for three minutes, by the way, is a discussion of the song. It's That's not me talking about my sex <laughs> life before anyone thinks it, because I can see someone's going to make the joke on Twitter if I don't say it. Anyway... Um, that's probably enough depraved filth for one week because, frankly, it's all getting too exciting. Matt, this has been great. Yeah, that's a fucking major as well. Still alive. <laughs> we will have another camp classic for you next week when we're going to be jump, jumping all over Holy Diver by Dio, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, the other bit of the show I'm still trying to make happen, but as it hasn't happened yet, and um, because our luck has been what it is, recently matt will be able to say that i'm crossing my fingers right now i'm not promising anything i can't deliver i'm gonna wait until it happened and then tell you about it right what we will definitely have though are some new records for the hate crew gay bod jukebox uh with releases from bloodet and 12 foot ninja going in but until then listen to four stroke baron listen to trivium listen to frontier and hide under the sofa after you do uh, and remember it does get better goodbye goodbye <laughs>